0: Good morning, Brew Daily Show. I am Neil Freiman. And I'm Toby Howell. And Neil, today, March Madness is back. The Sweet 16 is kicking off. What is also back is voting in our logo bracket. So for those of you who haven't been following along on social media, we have pitted 64 of the greatest logos of all time against each other in order to crown the gloat, which is the greatest logo of all time. We are very proud of that. Um, And so, Neil, we're in the round of 32 in our bracket. Do you want to preview some of the matchups? Sure. There are three that I'm particularly watching today to see how the voting will go
1: first one is mighty ducks versus 90s mtv <gasps> juicy second round matchup dripping with nostalgia so i'm going to give mighty ducks an edge on this one because i think it has just a little stronger brand than 90s mtv but that should be close i'm also looking to see if morning brew can continue its c- cinderella run versus the eight seed disney two entertainment behemoths going at it <laughs> with long legacies
0: i cannot believe we upset the yankees by the way good job morning brew good
1: job morning the little re- mug that could. The little mug that could. Finally, I Love New York versus FedEx. So I think this one's going to overtime. I think this is a nail biter. It's a total pick I Love New York got a sentimentality boost recently because they just redesigned I Love New York to We Love New York and it looks like trash. It's horrible. So everyone's kind of hearkening back to the, to the old one. Meanwhile, FedEx... You always remember that first time you learned about the arrow.
0: It was such a fun fact to to uh, initiate your uninitiated friend. Say, "Do you see the arrow?" I remember it. Yeah. So
1: that that I expect to be a, a super super close matchup. Who do you have? So. After all of this, after the first round, who are you liking to go all the way?
0: Okay, you didn't mention them, but I think Playboy. Hmm. I think Playboy, it's a three seed, but holy moly, it's got that brand recognition. It is truly a logo, too. Some of these other logos are a little more like word-based. This is truly a logo that I think is going to win it all.
1: We'll see. Who's the number one in their, their uh, region? I, I think, think it's that's McDonald's. The,
0: yeah, that's the miscellaneous
1: category. Mickey, it's wide open. Yeah, Mickey D's. We'll see. Uh, let's talk about what we're going to talk about on today's show. We got TikTok CEO testifying on Capitol Hill. Super, dr- super dramatic. Uh, a poop joke had its day in the Supreme Court yesterday, so we'll talk about what that is about. And then finally, top golf venues. Top golf like venues are absolutely taking over the world right now. They're popping off. The first uh, we have to talk about the Fed. Uh, they kept on hiking interest rates yesterday with another 25 basis point increase, the ninth straight time that the Fed has hiked interest rates. And now the interest rates are now at their highest level since 2007. So this has been a pretty significant climb from pandemic lows. This one came at a particularly dicey moment for the economy. Inflation is still ripping at 6%, way above the 2% target. But we also had this bank meltdown recently in the past couple weeks. Many people were concerned that by continuing to raise interest rates, Powell would be only adding to the pressure on banks. So, as you love to say, Toby, he's trying to thread the needle. Thread the needle, pal. Do you think he was successful?
0: Yeah. I actually, I mean, w- I wrote a thread yesterday calling this like one of the most important Fed meetings of our lifetime. And it was almost <laughs> a little, I know, hey, drama sells on, on social media, right? Uh, and I think it w- didn't go as dramatic as people thought. It People predicted it was going to be a 25 basis point hike. That's what we got. And I think the big takeaway, though, is that Jerome Powell kind of had his job done for him by these this banking crisis. So yeah, you're right. The the main goal that he's been trying to do for the last year or so is get inflation under control. Finally, this the banking sector kind of implodes. Which when the banking sector implodes, it definitely slows down an economy. So he doesn't have to hit hike rates as aggressively as was planned. So yeah, he he almost got bailed out by the banks getting bailed out, in a sense. Yeah, it's not
1: a good thing for the economy. It actually increases the chances of a recession. But even Powell, in his pre press conference said that what happened to the banking system can be thought of as being the equivalent of a rate hike, or or perhaps more than that. So it tightens tightens credit conditions. That's the Fed speak way of saying, there's just going to be less lending, and there'll be less hiring, and inflation, and employment, over because there's just less borrowing in the economy and borrowing runs the economy and fuels our ability to finance projects
0: right his his words were it will likely weigh on economic activity hiring and inflation which you're totally right it's not a good thing for the economy but that's a good thing for getting inflation under control and yeah i also think a big takeaway is that Powell is still in the hot seat. He's getting it from both sides of the aisle. You got people from Rick Scott to Elizabeth Warren kind of calling for his head, saying that he like laying the blame for the banking failure at his feet, and then laying the blame for the inflation at his feet as well. So yeah, and you got the Bitcoiners on, on his butt, too. We still have that. Uh, we mentioned on a previous show that Balaji is betting that the US will enter hyperinflation, and so he thinks Bitcoin will be at a million in ninety days. Okay, how's that going? Yeah, we're doing a little check-in. It's right around twenty-seven thousand right now, so only nine hundred and seventy-three thousand to go before right. it hits a million. It so could happen. You never know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So uh, the the final piece of news from this this uh, Fed press conference and statement was that it looks like rate hikes because of the of the banking turmoil and all the stuff we just talked about. That the economy is kind of getting hit from this. Um, that rate hikes. There might be one more for the end of. Until the end of the year, yeah. and then they're gonna hike, and then they're gonna cut. Actually, so you know, markets used to set, would celebrate. You know, you used to see the Nasdaq going up three percent or S and P up two percent when there was a chance that the Fed would slow down its rate hikes. And now that it's happened, stocks didn't do all that much. And I think it's because there, there's this growing realization that the economy is
0: really going to hit the brakes mm-hmm. uh, as a result of this. Yeah. What are we going to talk about if he's not hiking rates every every uh, Fed meeting? I guess we'll. we'll find- There'll be other stuff. There's always other stuff. Um, Okay, Neil, let's kind of stay in the congressional arena. Um, TikTok CEO Sho Zi Chu is testifying before Congress today. This has been a long time coming. TikTok has been on the verge of being banned since the Trump era, it feels like. We've been talking about it since then. But over the last few months, it's... the Uh, The movement to ban TikTok in the U.S. has really gained steam in Washington. So today's hearing will kind of focus on how TikTok is protecting consumer data, how the platform affects kids, and also its relationship with uh, the Communist Party in China. So Neil, I think an interesting part of the story is actually how TikTok is fighting back against this uh, hearing in the court of public approval, if you will. So we actually have a clip from a TikTok posted by the TikTok CEO that will play right now some politicians have started talking about banning TikTok. Now, this could take TikTok away from all 150 million of you. I'll be testifying before Congress later this week to share all that we're doing to protect Americans using the app and deliver on our mission to inspire creativity and to bring joy. Let-
1: so a key part of this, not just from his, you know, I'm chill uh, tone, is that he looks like Mark Zuckerberg circa 20. 20- 2007, wearing a zip-up hoodie in jeans, just trying to be, you know, one of the boys. Yeah, the chill tech CEO vibe. <laughs> but another, yeah. So another part that's super interesting about this hearing is that they're really making this CEO the the public face of TikTok when he's kind of been hiding in the shadows. So everyone's been scrambling to learn more about who the heck this guy is. So we have we we looked up his LinkedIn, uh, and I'll we'll just run it down. Honestly, it's very interesting. Uh, he's 40 years old from Singapore. He, w- he was an officer in the Singapore Army and in, in actually a prestigious role. He got his MBA from, guess, guess where, Harvard Business School. Uh, and while he was there, he interned at Facebook. So I guess the Mark Zuckerberg comparisons are, are yeah. spot on. That was before its IPO, when it was just a startup. Uh, he was an investment banker at Goldman, Sa- Goldman Sachs, and he led a team that invested in ByteDance, which is TikTok's parent company. He became CFO of ByteDance, and then in two thousand twenty one, when Kevin Mayer stepped down, he became uh, CEO of TikTok. So the last two CEOs of TikTok have been Harvard Business School grads.
0: Yeah, I mean it's a resume that like Patrick Bateman would be proud of. It is he hits all the 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 major points that you want in a resume. But I I also think uh, a Big thing to call out is he's been described as perfectly bicultural. So hmm. he splits kind of. He he went to school in London undergrad. He went to Harvard Business School, so he can appeal to the West in a way that not all uh, like Asian CEOs possibly can. And so I think that putting him as the face of this is definitely a risk. But we saw this TikTok video. If you actually go to the comments under that video, you see all these creators. He actually called for creators to say leave a comment about what you want lawmakers to know about your relationship with TikTok and you have people just begging to keep TikTok because some people are saying their livelihoods have been made off of it. Others are saying like, this is just my favorite app in the world. Like, so even though you have all this animosity in Washington, there still is this groundswell of support from the people who use TikTok.
1: Okay. But I looked at the comments and the number one for me was, you know, something went wrong when the bosses showed up. Yeah.
0: that's <laughs> Again, because he came out of nowhere. No one knew uh, the, the CEO before this. So yeah, you're, you're right that it is a little jarring to see Kind of the face of the company when you when you haven't seen it before. So
1: we'll definitely have more about what happened at the hearing tomorrow. But first, uh, but but finally, China actually offered its first official response to the U. S. threatening to ban TikTok, and they're saying they're going to firmly oppose it. So I'm just wondering, are we going to have? World War Three over, over TikTok? TikTok?
0: Oh my gosh, it would make sense in in today's environment that TikTok would be the thing that puts it over the edge.
1: All right, yeah. So stay tuned tomorrow, and we'll we're just gonna watch the hearing today and see what show says and what lawmakers say. This is super yeah. uh, high stakes. We're gonna get some sound bites. For we're fun. gonna get some sound bites. Maybe they won't be wearing hoodies yeah. this time. Okay, let's stay in D.C. Uh, yesterday, the Supreme Court took a break from ruling on heavy topics like affirmative action, elections, and LGBTQ right? To hear a case about a poop joke. <laughs> oh, gosh. Which I didn't have any poop jokes in that intro. I couldn't think of one. Uh, Jack Daniels, it's all about Jack Daniels, has sued a toy company for copyright infringement because that company created a dog toy that looks like a Jack Daniels bottle filled with dog poop. It's called Bad Spaniels, the old number two on your Tennessee carpet. <laughs> Jack Daniels is like, you can't just use our branding for this product. It hurts our brand uh, to be compared to dog doo-doo. While the toy company VIP product says, it's our First Amendment right to do this. So there's two powerful legal precedents that are clashing here. And it boils down to this, basically. Is this a parody or is this piracy? So the first... Uh, piracy is covered under copyright law, which prohibits the use of symbols that are likely to confuse consumers about a product or dilute its value. And that's clashing up against parody law that's covered under the First Amendment. You can use copyrighted works without authorization, as long as you don't harm the copyright holder, and you're using humor or commenting on it or offering some sort of social commentary in some way.
0: Interesting. I'm glad you broke that down for us. I think this comes down to if the Supreme Court has a freaking sense of humor, in my <laughs> opinion, because it is pretty funny. Uh, I also love the, the founder of the toy company said that the reason that he made this toy is he was sitting at a bar. He saw the logo and on the spot, he took out his phone, called his graphic designer and said, I got two words for you, bad spaniel. And it's now their best selling toy. Um, I also think just from an independent observer, I think Jack Daniels is being so dramatic in this case. In their brief, that is, expo- they, they wax poetic on like how iconic of a brand Jack Daniels is. It no- they noted that Frank Sinatra called it the nectar of the gods and was famously buried with a bottle. And then it also mer- mentions a Miranda Lambert song where she calls it the best kind of lover there is. <laughs> so they're really trying to play up that Jack Daniels is this iconic, iconic brand and that this is really damaging it. I was looking up other uh, parody law uses,
1: because I think it's fascinating that you can just kind of rip somebody's logo or brand and use it as your own to make fun of it. That seems, I guess, you know, it's covered under the First Amendment. We live in a free country. First thing I always think of with parody law is dumb Starbucks. Oh, yeah. Remember that? Nathan Fielder of Nathan For You in 2014 opened a chain, uh, opened a coffee store that, was called Dumb Starbucks, and it had Starbucks everything, and they just put, and it was literally a carbon copy of Starbucks. They just he just put dumb before it, and cited parody law mm-hmm. as the reason why he could do this. And eventually, it was shut down over health code. It was, and I, <laughs> Starbucks didn't even know what to do. They were weighing, you know, whether they should file legal action or they just didn't know how to play it because parody law is so powerful.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting. I guess the last thing I want to say on that is if someone started calling this show Morning Poo Daily, would we press legal action or would we allow it i mean we'd have to dive into the action you
1: know it would it harm our brain it depends on what it is if it was just a crappier version of (laughs) our newsletter then uh i think that would fall wouldn't fall under fair use but if they used morning poo to make some sort of if it was really funny and they used it to offer some sort of comment on the state we're in as society then i don't know if we would we would have recourse and maybe would even you know Lead to greater awareness about Morning Brew.
0: I hope we see a parody. Why don't up. we just launch Morning yeah. Brew as something and get better. ahead of it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, Neil, that was a fun one. But before we jump into the next story, we're going to take a quick break. Okay, Neil, let's talk about crypto and celebrities. There was nothing as annoying during the last bull cycle as celebrities kind of shilling these random cryptocurrencies. But it turns out it wasn't just annoying. It was also a little illegal. Uh, so yesterday, a group of celebs, including Lindsay Lohan, L- Lohan, Akon, Neo, Little Yachty, and Jake Paul have all agreed to play, m- pay more than $400,000 in a combined SEC settlement for promoting two coins, their Tronix and BitTorrent, without disclosing that they were paid to do so. One small detail just to cover our legal basis is that none of the celebs actually admitted or denied the SEC's findings. They're just paying the fine uh, anyways. So this is a story that is definitely going to really annoy some people. We remember like the Matt Damon era of like shilling companies. Um, but yeah, what, what do you make of it finally coming back to, to bite them in the butt, if you will?
1: I mean, this has been going on for a while, uh, you're starting to see that these celebrities are uh, having to pay up for that that crazy run. I, this is a string of, I mean, you can go back a year and find so many other examples of this. The biggest one that I remember is Ethereum Max, which was this <laughs> scam token, essentially, that was pumped. And Kim Kardashian uh, had to pay a $1 million, Paul Pierce had to pay $1.4 million, F- Floyd Mayweather, uh, and then there's Steven Seagal, who had this. So, <laughs> I just feel like you could go down IM DB and kind of you know say maybe half of these people uh, paid crypto scams. The what was interesting to me about this was that it was part of a wider investigation to this guy Justin's son, who is this like crypto mogul who founded what was called Tron. This guy is a pretty interesting character. Uh, He uses the title his his Excellency (laughs) because he's the he's the. Granada's trade representative to the World Trade Organization, he's also the same guy who paid $4.6 million to, eat, to have lunch with Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett holds these celebrity lunches. But this is part of a wider investigation into Sun over wash trading, which I was hoping you could explain to people or and me.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, wash trading is a uh, a scourge of the crypto industry basically it's when a couple of like larger people whales if you want to call them that kind of trade a token or an asset back and forth to each other each time they drive up the price and they also make it look like there's volume happening so there's real people trading so this happens this has been happening in the nft market especially where you can fake it and make it look like a lot of people are trading something when it's really just a group of two or three people sending it back and forth so yeah this is The headline news is the celebrity thing, but there was a a broader investigation into these—if there was actual legitimate investor interest in any of these tokens.
1: Back to celebrities, I know. Yesterday, I said that alcohol, the alcohol industry, was just vibes, and it's clear that the crypto industry is just vibes times a million because they leverage celebrities like crazy. I mean, look at FTX, right? They had to get. Tom Brady, Steph Curry, Shaq, Larry David, to promote their thing, because I don't know if it had any use to people. Uh, There was this lawyer who said the crypto industry needed celebrity endorsers to get any credibility. And I think that is 100% true, because they weren't offering any value to people. And so now, all of those people that I just mentioned, Larry David, Tom Brady, are all caught up in this class action lawsuit against FTX.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, I do wonder... Yeah, there is a Venn diagram of crypto and alcohol, uh, in the sense that yeah, you just it's more just a brand and in a, in a vibes thing than anything un, uh, fundamental. Uh, the final thing we'll note on that before we move on is that Coinbase was also served a Wells Notice today, which usually precedes SEC enforcement in in some regard. We won't get into exactly it, it's about how they classify securities, um, but it also people are using it as. Uh, a further example of the war on crypto that's happening right now. So, we we saw some kind of drama and hysteria on Twitter about oh, the war on crypto is, is, is going on right yeah, now.
1: Yeah, that applies to Signature Bank that they took down. And everyone kind of thinks, or the Bitcoin and crypto community kind of sees U.S. government right now as unfairly going after the crypto industry. Yeah, well... Well, when you have I have stuff like this going on, right. I know, like you got to clean your stuff up. Yeah. Let's go to our favorite segment of the week, Neil's Numbers, where I share with you all uh, all the crazy, some, three crazy stats that I read during the week. So the first one is when you invest in the S&P 500, you're basically just investing in two companies at this point, and those are Apple and Microsoft. Okay. Apple and Microsoft have. Now account for thirteen point three of the weighting of the index, their highest level
0: on record. So I'm not upset by this stat, by the way. If I want to invest in the S and P 500 and I'm getting mostly Apple and Microsoft, I'm okay with that. Truly, like that's not that's not a bad thing for me. Although it is probably annoying to the fact that it's supposed to be a free market, and these two companies are dominating the free market. They've sort
1: of distanced themselves from Fang, right? There was this whole Fang index, which was supposed to be big te- under the umbrella of big tech. Fang was Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, and Google. First of all, weird that Netflix was ever there, because they're a content company. Uh, and it seems like Apple and Microsoft have just pulled away. Now, the last time, here's a little trivia question for you. The last time two stocks had a combined higher weighting in the S&P than Apple and Microsoft do now was 1970 and so I'm wondering if you know or can guess the two companies
0: uh, is it an energy company or no th- you've heard of them they're still around they're still around today yeah. are they tech companies or no' yes. IBM yeah IBM I don't have the other one the other though.
1: one's telecom
0: oh I don't even. <laughs> that's crazy. Actually.
1: An, a no, a no, telecom, the industry.
0: Oh, the in, I was <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure that was an industry. I've never heard of telecom. AT and T. AT and T. Yeah. So
1: AT and T still around. Nice. All right. If anyone has a knows a company named telecom, <laughs> let us know.
0: <laughs> that was a egg on my face moment there.
1: All right. The second, we'll move on to. to save you from the embarrassment uh this next one is i mean the next neil's number is that between 1961 and 1964 there were almost 40 movies made about gladiators (laughs) a a lot of them were you know small budget italian films but that's still a crazy surge and that came after after the success of ben-hur and spartacus in the previous years now gladiators had a little bit of a lull, and even including Gladiator, but they will have their vengeance. Oh, and sorry, uh, there are three Gladiator movies in production right now, including a sequel to um, Gladiator, Ridley Scott's Gladiator that Ridley is, Scott is directing, and then a reboot of Spartacus on stars.
0: Oh, I'm excited for this. <laughs> I.
1: I was thinking about this. I don't love gladiator movies are obviously super cool, but there's only so many stories you can tell with it. It's yeah. kind of like a sports movie where the underdog yeah. like rises up, defeats the emperor, defeats the big guy. So they, hey. they got to find a different way to tell the gladiator story. Maybe from like the perspective of the concession stand guy who's at the Coliseum who's just shipping <laughs> cotton candy.
0: <laughs> I don't think they had cotton candy back then. Yeah, maybe a modern day gladiator. I don't know what that would look like, but
1: it, it is kind of funny how the some randomly some some years, there's just a bunch of movies about a yeah. really specific topic. I'm thinking Ants and a Bug's Life oh, in 1998. Yeah. Then there was First Daughter and Chasing Liberty, which were about presidential daughters. Oh, they happened to come out the same year. And then this is a classic, The Prestige and the Illusionist in 2006. Both great movies. Both great movies. Okay. That's the second Neal's number. The final one is about Taylor Swift's Eras Tour, which kicked off on Friday in Arizona. Just some really interesting stats have come out about it already. This thing is supposed to last 52 stadium dates, so it's, it's going to be over the course of the year. It will become the highest-grossing tour of all time. The projections are that it will be uh, five, will earn $591 million. so that's not a bad payday for a year. She
0: just rips. I, I think it's amazing, too, because these, these concerts are so long. People have been preparing for them like they prepare for a marathon like they wear comfortable shoes they bring hydration they get their bathroom breaks in before because yeah she's going 44 songs she she's a beast this is a distant it's a basically a distance uh, endurance contest yeah. or a, an endurance sport
1: Katie Ledecky who's this incredible swimmer goes three hours tw- she tweeted three hours shows Taylor Swift is definitely a distance swimmer yeah and I think someone would track Taylor Swift's movements like they track soccer players on a pitch and then she travels or she walks up to two miles every concert
0: in heels too. in heels pretty impressive uh, thank you Neil I love your Neil's numbers I always learn a lot so feel free to drop those at the, at the bar this weekend uh, just to finish off our show really quickly. We have a really fun story. Basically the top golf of baseball is getting launched in Katy, Texas. Uh, it's called Run, it's called Home Run Dugout. And I'm going to give you a quick stats just to kind of paint the picture for you. It's 46,000 square feet. It's got a full two bars and a full service restaurant. And it has 12 virtual batting bays. So basically, it shoots a ball at you. You're looking at a screen, and you hit, and the computer me- measures the velocity and the uh, like spin rate and shows where the ball is going. It seems fun, Neil. I'm so bullish on
1: this adult entertainment trend You've, that Top Golf pioneered. I know you probably know more than me, but it seems like every sport... Sport is kind of rolling out this bar upscale bar hybrid kind of thing. And I think it's just people want something to do while they go out. I think everyone's kind of tired of just sitting at a bar yeah. and you know being squished. I love and it. And so when I heard this, I immediately texted my friends. I was like, we gotta go, my bachelor party. And they were all like, When's that happening? I was like, I don't know. But get the order of but, events right, Neil. You know, Top Golf really pioneered this and Crazy stat I heard is that Call- you know Callaway, the golf equipment uh, maker invested in Topgolf a few years ago. Now Topgolf accounts for thirty-nine percent of the combined company's revenue and Callaway sales, equipment sales account for thirty-five yeah. percent. So top topgolf is making more money than Callaway golf equipment right now. It's a behemoth. It this is a juggernaut. Yeah. All right, that's all we have. Hope you visit uh a Topgolf soon. It's also made for the TikTok generation, yeah, too, because so many TikTok videos from there. Uh, please write in with uh, maybe some of your best experiences at Topgolf, at Morning Brew Daily, at morningbrew.com. And we have to shout out our awesome crew in the back. The show's producer and editor is Emily Milliron. The show's technical director is Justin Orlando. Our supervising producer is Bryce Belloff. Our VP of technical and production operations is Dan Bowza. Hair and makeup is in D.C. lobbying for TikTok. Hmm, didn't know that. <laughs> Devin Emery is our chief content officer, and our show is a production of Great
0: show today, Neil. Let's run it back tomorrow.